It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.08 on a Saturday morning, 56 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. Where else would I be on a Saturday morning? I'm Walter Reeves with Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do in the garden. You tell me what you want to do, I'll tell you how to do it in a better way than perhaps you knew how to do it otherwise. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. You can get your question answered right here. And, you know, one of the things that I want to call out the Atlanta Journal-Constitution about I got online this morning before I came to the station and looked at the article that's going to be in today and tomorrow's paper, all about the, well, I'm not a journalist, so I'm, not, I'm not qualified to say it. the obfuscation maybe is the right word, the um, problems at Atlanta City Hall, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution has now got the GBI involved and some things going on down there that I thought was just fabulous news coverage, just great stuff that's in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Tomorrow, of course, Sunday, you get that great big roll of coupons and everything. The Journal-Constitution comes out every Sunday with a great big expanded issue with national, local, state news. And the state legislature, of course, only in I mean, five more days, five more days the legislature is in, and they keep an eye on them as well. But, boy, this stuff with Atlanta City Hall is really, really interesting stuff. You can get the AJC, of course, anywhere you go in the various gas stations and grocery stores around town, but I will look forward to seeing mine on my front step tomorrow. Seven-day-a-week subscriber, have been for 30 32, 33, 30, a long time. I've been a subscriber to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. At 7.09, Joyce comes to us. Hey, Joyce, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How can I help? Um, I was wondering if you had any hints in getting rid of some liriope. It's yeah. really lost its manners. It's going into <laughs> it's going into the naturalized areas. It's uh, going into an area that I've that's turned from grass to to moss, yeah. and uh, I I've just. Um, it, it looks pretty when it's well tended and stuff like that in other areas, but uh, I, I've got I, I've kind of lost patience here. I have two comments. One is that was such a nice way to put it. It has lost its manners. That's, what, that's how your mother describes some child who ran through the house with the mud on their feet or something like that. I'm sure. And the other one is you've pronounced it liriope, and there's so many ways to pronounce that word. It's liriope, liriope, liriope. None of them seem to have any, you know, great reasons to be the right way. So a lot of us call it liriope. You call it liriope. Other people call it liriope. Who knows? Who knows? Why is it even called? Why is it called monkey grass? I have no idea. What is the association with monkeys? None. But what's going on? It hops all over the place. (laughs) Somebody somewhere just made something up. But anyway, going back to how to get rid of it. Here's an interesting thing about liriope. I want to call it liriope because that's where my sure. mother pronounced it. But the interesting thing about it is there are actually two species. There's one that's liriope spicata. That's the scientific name. And the other one is a different liriope. which is liriope. Um, it's gone out of my brain right now. But the other one is the clumping kind. And spicata is the one that spreads real quickly. And the way you tell them apart from each other is that the spicata has little white flowers, and the other one has little sort of purple flowers. So do, you don't have your memory of what the flowers look like, do you, Cindy? When you're blue, um, or Joyce? I, I, mean, I really sorry, haven't. Joyce. I haven't really looked at it, but I think it's probably the spicata because yeah. it, it's 
it sends the runners. Yeah, it sends the runners. If it's the runners, then it's the running. Yeah, the running. And, you know, it would be great as a ground cover on a bank or someplace where you wanted it to spread pretty rapidly. But in your garden, if you have it, then, man, oh, man, it gets over everything, and that's your situation. I'll tell you what I did because I had some in my landscape, too, when I moved into my house 20 bump, 20 bump years ago. And that was I just sprayed it with Roundup, just the common, old, everyday, ordinary spray it with the selective or the non-selective weed killer, and that took care of most of it. And then there was a bunch that sort of mixed in with the two different kinds of of uh, lyria were mixed in with each other, and so I had to go in and dig up and pull out this spicata to get it away from the other stuff. But that's what I did was spray the big patches of the spicata with Roundup, and then individually dug the stuff out of the other mondo grass, other lyria. I mean. Um, so, um, the staccata is more resistant to the Roundup? You not have a harder resi- time getting... Not really. I think it killed it pretty rapidly. I remember there was a patch in front of my shed that was, ooh, 15 feet across, I'm guessing. And one spray, and it was pretty well gone four weeks later. It did not take long for it just to yellow up and wilt down and be gone out of there. So it's okay. not resistant. simply the fact that it is more spreading and can get into places where you can't selectively take it out. That's the only situation that um, where I had to dig it up individually and take them, divide them up. Okay. Okay. Well, that's encouraging. I thought there might be some tricks. <laughs> the non-selective herbicide Roundup kills a lot of things, and it does it does the job against Lyrio for me. Well, I, th- I thought because of those little nodule-type things, it might um, the tuber-type things on the roots, yeah, it like might be more resistant. Things like that. I did not find that. You were right to wonder about that because a lot of things that have little nodules like nutgrass and onions and things where you have a lot of underground growth, you would think that maybe the liriope is the same. It's hard to control, but I did not find it hard to control. I didn't find any re-sprouting from you know, underground root parts at all. I will get going at it. It's not too early in the the year, right? I don't think it's ever too early in the year. If it bothers you, go ahead and do it. If it's, if it's a I day will. on the calendar, there's a day to do it. Yeah, you can do it now. <laughs> okay, great. Great. Thank you very much. Well, thanks for calling, Joyce. It's great talking to you. Mm-hmm. Great talking to you. Bye-bye. 7.13 on a Saturday morning. Oh, boy, I love that phrase. The Lyrio had lost its manners. I can just see people talking about that. Jason, 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 you had a question. You, Jason, by our, our engineer, sometimes looks for gardening information on the web, on the Internet, and you saw something just now that you wanted me to answer. What was that? Yeah, there was a video that popped up, a recommended video on YouTube, that said that if you planted a penny with your tomato plants, uh-huh. it'll stop the spread of tomato blight. Oh, <laughs> now they specified a pre nineteen eighty three penny. <laughs> oh no, they do copper not. Copper penny, got to be the copper penny. Yes, it has to be pre eighty three. Something my mother used to say about a person, one of our family friends, who talked a lot, Jason, and she would say that woman just likes to hear her gums flap. And whoever says that the copper <laughs> penny, she likes to hear her gums flap. And whoever said that about the copper penny and the tomato plant and the tomato blight, totally, absolutely wrong. Had nothing to do with copper. No, 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 no. Yeah, it seemed like one of those things, like, if it actually did work, everyone's garden yeah, would just be full of pennies. You wouldn't, it would have pennies everywhere. You wouldn't have any tomato blight. But no, it does have nothing to do with that. Now, there are a lot of things like that, Jason, that people believe and. My friend Charlie Tucker, my mentor in Extension, used to say, you can't argue with success. 
And my grandmother firmly believed that putting red clay around her roses made her roses redder. I don't think red clay has a thing to do with the color of roses, yet she had red roses, and so that was success. You couldn't argue with my grandmother. That was what made her roses redder was the clay she put around it. There's a uh, saying that I've always enjoyed that correlation is not causation. Correlation is not causation. You're correlating putting that penny in the ground with your tomato being disease-free one year, but it ain't causation at all. Let's go to the phones. We've got Keith Indicator. Hey, Keith. Good morning. Hello. Hey, Bubba. What's going on? Hey, how you doing? Hey, all right. I have a problem. My European fan palm is browning. Yeah. On a lot of the leaves. Yeah. So, uh, let's talk about it. The main thing that I see on European fan palms, one of which is being planted outside. I went to a restaurant um, Wednesday, I guess, of this past week, and there were six of them in a row planted right up next to the windows of a restaurant. I thought, boy, how in the heck did you decide to put this thing outside? It is not tolerant of cold temperatures. It was browning up pretty bad, Keith, so that's what made me think about you, was the brown leaves on it from cold damage. The other thing I think is overwatering. What's the water situation on it? It's in the yard, basically. Uh, Ooh, Keith, 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 Keith. Uh-huh. No, 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 no. We don't plant them outside in the yard. They will die from cold. That's like the restaurant fan palm. It's a, not a cold-tolerant palm. Oh, man. Oh, uh, man. <laughs> Doggone it. It said it was cold hard. It could have a frigid temperature. like yeah, like 10 degrees. You know, talk is talk is free. Some people like to hear the gums flap. Keith, uh-huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> that is what happened on that label. People can claim all sorts of stuff. You heard Jason just now. People can claim that pennies make the disease go away. That doesn't mean it's right. That means it's true. Oh, uh-huh. well, that's what's going on. So this yeah. is the first cold winter we had since yeah. I had it out there. Yeah. Real yeah. cold winter. It's just cold. This is frozen. Is there any green on it at all now? Yeah, I still have a few that's green. If you want to dig it up and put it in a pot and bring it inside, it'd probably thank you. You'd probably listen to it real carefully. It'll say, thank you, Keith, thank you, Keith, <laughs> bring it inside. So if I cut all the browning, yeah. prune all those off, yeah. you think uh, maybe they'll grow back? And they won't grow back, but some substitutes for them will come back. Some replacements for them will come back, hopefully, if you get it in t- inside and had not been too much cold damage done to it. It's pretty big now, too. Well, all right, go for it. <laughs> All right, Keith. We'll see you soon. Good luck with it, then. We'll see you. 718 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Here's a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Showers this morning, probably breaking around noon this afternoon. High today, 74 degrees, low overnight, 52. Tomorrow, mostly sunny. There's always a chance of thunderstorms tomorrow. High of 72, low in the mid-50s tomorrow night. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And a reminder to my friends in Athens and Jefferson, Jackson County, all the way up in North Georgia, Winder and places like that, if you're near Jefferson today, today is the Jefferson Foliage Fest, where they have a great big 
convocation at the Jefferson Park there with Old Swimming Pool Road, and they have lots of vendors of plants, and I'll be there starting around 11 o'clock, I think I get up there by 11, be there from 11 to 1 answering questions about gardening. If you want to bring me your pictures on your cell phone or bugs and baggies, if you want to bring those to me, that's what I used to get all the time was bugs and baggies. And if you have anything you want to ask about it, that'll be Jefferson, Georgia today. They'll be all day long and tomorrow too. But basically, I'll be there today, 11 to 1 in Jefferson on Old Swimming Pool Road at Jefferson City Park. All right, got that? All right, good. One of the things that I want to emphasize every every week is the newsletter that I put out every other Thursday, a newsletter about different questions that people have sent to me at georgiagardner at yahoo.com. And I'll give you a couple of this week that I thought was interesting for the last issue. And uh, one of them was red clover in gardening beds. A couple had planted red clover in their bed as a cover crop, it's called. You plant some seeds in the bed in the fall when nothing else is growing, when your vegetables are gone. And they planted a cover crop of red clover. And the question was, what do we do with it now? It was coming up a little bit. But they said, we understand that by May, when we're about time to plant our vegetables, it's going to be really tall. What do we do with it then to get it out of the garden bed? And I answered them pretty quickly. This is what you do with clover or any cover crop. You let it grow rapidly, real fast for a while, and then you chop it up. If you have a, a bed that's close to the ground, you can mow it if, if you wanted to with a lawnmower. For them, they had raised beds with about 10 inch, looks like 10 inch size on the bed, so they couldn't get a lawnmower up on that. And so I said, just chop it. You get a weed whacker out there and chop it, or clippers and chop it. Do whatever you can to chop up the plants that are in your in your garden bed. The, the cover crop has been planted there and chop it up real fine, and then dig that into the ground. And advantages, advantages are twofold for clover. Clover pulls nitrogen out of the air and puts it into the soil. So they're getting free fertilizer all winter long. That clover is pulling nitrogen out of the air, putting it into the soil so their vegetables will have something to eat, something to uh, have nutrients for them in the spring. The other thing about clover and any of the cover crops is it makes organic matter. The stem and the leaves and the roots, too, as you dig them into the soil, softens the soil, gives more organic matter to the soils. And the vegetables like that. They like having little voids, little places where rotten pieces of plant material used to be. They can sort of explore and find nutrients and moisture and stuff like that. So cover crops are a good thing. There are different kinds of cover crops besides uh, clover. Some people use ryegrass to put it on their cover, put it on their vegetable garden sometime in um, September, October. Let it grow during the winter time. If you have a question about gardening, about vegetables, about anything like that, give me a call 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 7.36 on a Saturday morning, 56 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you do whatever you want to do outside. Right now, not much. It's raining, but later on today, later on tomorrow, maybe when the sun comes out, if you have something you want to do and want to know how to do it correctly, if you want to know what research says about doing your particular task, then let me know. 404-872-0750. By the way, this afternoon, I'll be, again, I guess it's morning and afternoon, I'll be at the Jefferson Foliage Fest in the... Jefferson, Georgia, which is up north of Atlanta on I-85 here in Jackson County for folks in Athens and Winder and Barrow County, places like that. And I'll be answering garden questions from 11 to 1, giving a little talk about gardening tips and techniques from 11 o'clock to around 11.30 this afternoon. 
At 7.36, Wade in Woodstock joins us. Hey, Wade. Morning. Hey, good morning. How are you, sir? Doing all right, man. What's up? I I need someone to hold my hand. Um, <laughs> Precious Lord, I, hold my hand. Yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah. I've got a... Uh, my yard has an area of Bermuda, but it's probably more centipede than it is Bermuda. And mm. I've been trying to get the grass to grow and control, you know, keep the weeds out. Uh, I thought I had it done last year, and this winter, it is all weeds again. Oh, darn. Shoot. Yeah, and I don't, know, I don't know what I'm doing wrong, and I can't figure out how to get that answered. I went to a couple of retailers, and mm -hmm. they asked me questions that I don't know the answers to, so I don't know how to explain. Yeah. I don't I don't know where to start here. All right, let's talk. How much sunshine do you get? Always the first question I'm going to ask. Sunshine, okay. what is it? It's uh, probably... Probably eight, ten hours a day. It's, it's a lot of sun. Plenty. You got plenty, plenty to have good centipede or good Bermuda or good any warm season grass. Okay, first thing down. Second thing, um, how you're fertilizing? Tell me more about feeding and maintenance and things that you do. Well, that's the thing. I'm not sure what to do. Last year I did the uh, weed and feed, uh -huh. whatever, whatever that is, and um, did that in the springtime last year, yeah. and that helped the grass grow and got rid of a lot of the weeds and it was looking good last year. And that's what happened then I, you know, this winter, all the grass is gone and it's all weeds now. Yeah. All right, here's what I would do to change a little bit. Don't use weed and feed, at least for the time being, because weed and feed, the chemical that's in there that controls weeds, also has some effect on centipede grass. Centipede is a little tender and touchy about using chemicals on it. And so I think you'd be better to help the grass just grow as fast as it can, let it do its own weed control, if you will, and um, but doing that fertilizing. So the time to fertilize centipede, usually you only need to fertilize two, maybe three times. And it depends on how much rain you get, really, is how much you put down. But the first time is going to be in mid to late April when you look outside and say, man, it looks like it's about 60, 70, 80 percent green, somewhere in the high, in the high percentages of being greened up. You can start fertilizing then. If you do one time in, let's say, mid-April, mid and then it rains pretty well in May and June, you can do another application in June, mid-June, I guess. And then, according to the weather, if it looks like it's really nice, long summer, enough rain every once in a while to keep things wet, you can do another application in August. And three applications would be plenty, 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 plenty. Two would be fine, but three would be really a lot. But that'll force some growth on the centipede, so it grows pretty rapidly. And the weed control... I would say, for the time being, just do a little spot spraying, get a pump-up sprayer and a bottle of uh, Weed Be Gone or Bayer or Bonide uh, Broadleaf Weed Killer. And just go out and do a little spot sprays here and there and try not to get any on the grass. And that's hard. I recognize that. But you go out and try to just spray the weed. Just a little bit of squirt. Here, pit there. And uh, take your time in trying to control the weeds with the spot sprays and let the fertilizer make the grass grow rapidly. And one more thing that I ought to mention here. Have you ever had the soil tested way to see if what nutrients it has already in it? No, I haven't. You know, that would be a good thing. I'll tell you why. Centipede grass has a pretty narrow range of acidity that it likes to grow in in the soil. And you don't know. I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows just looking at it whether or not the pH is too low, pH is too high, whether you need to add lime, whether no lime is needed. You just don't know because you can't tell without a soil test from a laboratory. And they only cost like six or eight dollars not like they're going to break the bank or anything to have a soil test done 
And I don't have a lot of time to tell you how to do it, but if you go to my website at georgiasoiltest.com, tells you how to do it. Tells you how to send in the forms if you want to call your local extension office um, in, uh, in Woodstock. You can call them and ask them what the right method to do it for them. But either way, it's going to be sent to the University of Georgia laboratory. You get the results back in five days, and you'll know immediately what nutrition the centipede grass needs. It may need a particular analysis of fertilizer that you should get from the uh, garden center, but it'll tell you at least how much lime or no lime you need. Okay. All right. And what kind of fertilizer did you say to use? Generally one that has a real low middle number. And so it could be 2448, it could be 2204, anything that's four or less in the middle is fine for centipede. All right. Well, I hope that works. All right. I believe it will. I believe making it grow with fertilizer, regular applications of fertilizer, pray for some rain during the summertime so the fertilizer can be used rapidly by the plant, do spot spraying for weed control, do a soil test just to know if you need lime or not. I think you'd be way ahead of the game next year, Wade. All right. Well, thank you, sir. All right, sir. Thanks for calling. Our number is 404-872-0750. Tripp is in Mableton, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Tripp, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. Love your show. Well, thanks, I had a sir. quick question for you. Um, I have the ability to get a lot of redbud trees in various sizes oh, over wow. my parents' house. Yeah. And um, I wanted to transfer them to my house back in my backyard near a creek uh, just for aesthetic purposes. Will they grow in like a sandy, silty soil if that yeah. sandy, silty soil is about six, eight inches on the – I can get down to some clay and some real dirt – I would they think they'd be that? fine. Yeah, they should really? be fine. Are you just transplanting them from your parents' house to your house? Is that yeah, what I did is I had to clear out my backyard. Beautiful space, has two creeks that join the back, so when it rains, it really brings in the, the silt and things yeah. like that. But I, I had to get rid of privet, <laughs> and I've done that nicely. And But now it's just kind of barren back there. Yeah, yeah. And um, I wanted to put some... And I had a free... I, the reason I said red bud, just because I have <laughs> I can get... I can get 20, 30 at one time if Good. I needed to. Yeah, I would say, honestly, the smaller, meaning small, meaning from two feet to four feet, that would be the size I would try to transplant because okay. you'll lose a lot of roots on an eight-foot-tall redbud. It may right. look great right. yeah, 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 in yeah. your parents' yeah. place, but eight feet tall yeah. and all the roots that you lose in the transplanting process, it's going to just sit and sulk or die maybe at your place. Right. But if you get the smaller ones, two to four feet tall, they'll be easy yeah. to transplant, right. dig right. them up. And do I need to there. mend the soil? I don't think so. I mean, research really does not show much good happening when you amend the soil for trees because redbud roots go way out from the trunk of the tree. They go 15, 20 feet when it gets mature. And so amending the soil just in a couple of feet around where you plant it really is only helping the tree for a year or two. And then after that, the roots thinking, now, wait a minute, it's really nice here where we amended the soil so pretty, but out there it's a lot of clay or silt or something different. They don't like going between interfaces of um, soil texture and things like that. So research says don't do any amending for for trees when you... Perfect. That's it. All right. I appreciate it. I love your show. Have a good weekend. Thanks for calling. Thanks a lot. Uh Uh-huh. Bye-bye. We got Robert on the line from Alpharetta. Hey, Robert, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, sir. How can I help? Well, I live up in Alpharetta. I've got a very steep hill in my backyard that has a lot of deer in it. It's also subject to erosion. So my thought was to plant about 15 rhododendrons back there to have evergreen, stop the erosion, have some color, and the deer would need it. Yeah. my problem is, two years later, the rhododendrons haven't grown at all. 
I've tried fertilizing them, so I didn't know if you may have a uh, a cure for this or a suggestion of planting something different. It is pretty shaded back there. Yeah, and that's probably part of it. Rhododendrons like moderate shade, but they like some direct sun. A couple of hours of direct sun wouldn't hurt anything for a rhododendron out there. Um, going back to the previous caller, how did you plant them? Did you amend the soil? Did you put anything in the soil when you planted them each one? Fifteen's a lot. Probably not. The landscapers did it. They yeah. probably just dug a hole and stuck the plant in it. Yeah, I know I know. the label always says dig a hole three times as big as the root ball and transplant into that. Really and truly, this is where the research does show that amending the soil helps. It's for shrubs. And so rhododendrons each one, and the landscaper didn't want to do this, I guarantee that what their crew doing this, each one should have had an area at least six feet in diameter around it loosened up and amended for the rhododendron to be really, truly happy there. So the roots could spread out, six feet's great, and the amendment means it's nice and organic you know, soil with lots of little particles in it. And that's what the rhododendrons would have liked, but if it's sort of clayey and they just dug a hole two or three times as big as a root ball and put that in, the roadies are just sitting there sulking because they don't have quite enough sunshine, perhaps, or they don't have quite enough root growth, perhaps. But at least they're still alive. I mean, come on, Robert. At least they're still alive. They are still alive. The azaleas that we tried back there, the deer ate those up. And I was told the deer wouldn't eat those. But uh, Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when you said rhododendron, I thought, hmm, deer will sometimes eat rhododendron, too. But uh, you've been lucky so far, so let's, let's keep our fingers crossed for you. Is it too late to pull these rhododendrons up and re-dig the hole? How long have they been in the ground? About two years. Mm, yeah, I think not. I think we're not going to do that. But I give you some things you can do that might help. How about that? All right. Um, one, have you ever fertilized and done anything for fertility-wise? Yes. Or I fertilized them last fall. With? I'm sorry, what? this past spring. Okay, with what? Uh, uh, tree spikes. Okay. Rather than tree spikes, use one of the either azalea camellia food or an organic fertilizer like Hollytone, uh, Milorganite, or uh, JB Stone from Pike. Any one of those will do better, I think, than tree spikes will because the organic fertilizer simply just they feed at a more regulated pace and they give the, the rhododendrons what they need at the right time of year and the tree spikes most of them anyway it seems to dissolve pretty quickly once you pound them into the ground they dissolve and the rhododendron didn't get a lot of, of nutrition after a couple of weeks so i would get some organic fertilizer out there and how's the mulch on the ground underneath what do you got under underneath each one pine straw that's good and this sort of mulch the whole area is is straw yep. not just underneath this one good you're fine with yep. that the fertilizers can be just spread on top of the pine straw you don't need to rake the straw up and get rid of it or anything like that just put the fertilizer on top and gosh you got a three-week window right now in fact it would be lovely lovely robert if you were to go get the fertilizer today and put it out today or tomorrow because it's going to rain monday tuesday next week and the rain will just put it right there where the where the roots can get it Walter, thank you so much. I really enjoy your show. Thank you, sir. Drive safely, friend. Will do. Thank you. See you soon. It's 748. We'll be back right after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves for the lawn and garden advice you need.
straight back to 17 years old. Yes, sir. Mrs. Robinson, yes, sir. 17 years old, went to the Buckhead Theater for the Roxy is now, I guess it was. See, that was my friend Donna. Ooh, yes, indeed. A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, showers pretty much this morning, but this afternoon, breaks in the clouds. Some sun coming this afternoon. High of 74, low of 52 overnight. Tomorrow, mostly sunny. Thunderstorms possible, high of 72 and a low in the mid-50s on Sunday. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And we are privileged now to bring a little happiness into someone's life, the weekend prize pack. Ashley Frasca thinks of a number between 2 and 7 to determine who wins a family four-pack of tickets to an Atlanta Gladiators home game at Infinite Energy Arena, plus a four-pack of tickets to the Spring Atlanta Home Show March 23rd through the 25th at the Cobb Galleria. Ashley Frasca, who wins? Is it lazy for me to say caller 2? That is pretty lazy, but it's caller number 2 to our contest line. <laughs> two it is. Two it is. 404-741-0750. 404-741-0750. Second caller is a prize pack of tickets to go to these events. 7.55 on a Saturday morning. Let's see who's in here. Suzanne and Marietta joins us. Hey, Suzanne. Yes, thanks for taking my call, Walter. Sure. How can I'm wondering, help? is it too late to put out Atlanta Blend Seed. It is just right, Suzanne. You call on the right day because today is perfect. If you can get it out today before it rains tomorrow or maybe Monday's when it's going to rain, really. Well, well I'm right so glad I called you because every company I've called has told me it's too late, and I just thought it can't be because well, it's not spring till Monday or Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking at the calendar, aren't you? You know what the spring is. And it's cool. The okay, best, well, the best time, Suzanne. So let me head the pike let me clarify. The best, best time is sometime in September or October. So they weren't lying to you. The best time is September or October. But the second best time is when it's warming up in the spring in mid-March. That is right now. The real thing to worry okay. about is you don't have a lot of time for the spring for those roots to get a lot of growth on them during the springtime. And you know what comes after March? It comes April, comes May, comes June, comes a lot of heat in July, comes a lot of heat in August. And yeah. if the roots have not gone down into the soil very deeply in the springtime, March, April, May, then they have a hard time getting enough moisture in August when it's really hot. So keep an eye on watering. Don't let them get dried out during July, August, September. Okay, right. I understand. Do I have to have the lawn aerated, or can I uh, top seed over the... Rake it real hard. Get something that disturbs the soil so the seeds have something to fall into, little grooves and ruts and things in the soil. So rake it real hard, put the seed out, tamp it down with the backside of a rake or something like that, and then let it rain. Hopefully you'll have a pretty-looking fescue lawn when summertime rolls around. It's 7.58 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after news.